Who are you? I'm the answer to your prayers. <laughs> okay then. So, I want to know who's in charge of the video game shrink-wrapping department, because it's gotten out of hand in recent years. <laughs> continue, continue. So, back in the day, when you get your game, you know, the actual unwrapping, it was, you know, it was part of the process. So you, I don't know about you, but my... My move was always start from the top, and you know, you get that little flap, but then it, it, it grows into something more, and then you, you start to unwrap it, and then it just all comes off in one fell swoop, and uh, you get that new video game smell, and you're so excited about the adventure ahead, but that's, that's completely gone in the year of our Lord 2021, because now... You know, you try to get that little nip, and you'll probably get, like, centimeter of plastic wrap before it just tears off, and then you're back to where you started, where you can't get a grip anywhere. Like, there's no purchase. It's ridiculous. It's I just mean, suffering. Yeah. How am I supposed to get into this thing? Like, is this all a ploy to get people to stop buying physical copies so we can all go <laughs> digital? Is is big shrink wrap teaming up with big game and to smush us under the, the capitalist heel? Beautiful listener, you you t you tell us. Uh, it's funny because I I almost reached down to grab like a game case, but you only had the exact same process as I do, and the exact same uh, conundrum of yep. uh, the flap is now a flawed uh, pack. Uh, the f the getting under the flap is now a flawed method uh, lost to the ages because it doesn't work as well anymore, and uh, a single tear or many tears. It feels like underneath the flap is just another flap going in the opposite direction, and then under that one is another flap? So, like, I I can't understand this, like, 40 chess puzzle of what's going <laughs> on with this wrapping. So I was I was opening a new game last night, and it, it was a Switch game, so I feel like those are even worse because the cases are so tiny, so you have so exactly, little yeah. room. And it seriously took me, like, five minutes. And meanwhile, the whole time, my dog's going crazy because he thinks I'm trying to open a treat for him. <laughs> and, yeah, it was it was just a mess. Yeah, I now I tend to just uh, where where you. I'm not going to open it because it's going to make noise into the microphone, and then Kevin will kill me. But where where the case opens, like there, that like that like little trough. I yep. basically just like stick like a knife or like my like a yeah. fingernail sharp enough in there, and then yeah, kind of totally just my way around. That's. That's the winning strategy, but you know, I shouldn't have to dig up my X-Acto knife every time I get a new game. The times, they are changing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, welcome everyone to Kingdom Hearts by Heart episode 12.9, <gasps> uh, uh, because we're definitely 12 not 12.9, final chapter unlucky. prologue, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the one, where we will be uh, uncovering the secrets of Neverland or is it? 
You be the you judge. You decide. <laughs> so this is the Peter Pan episode. We'll also be talking about the movie that the game is based off of. So that'll be a fun trip. Who lordy. You and I have different definitions of fun. Yeah. So if you just want to get right into it, you can check our episode description for a a bit of a a chapter select, if you will, where you can find some handy dandy time codes to jump to different sections that suit your fancy. So we're going to kick things off with our usual game corner where we talk about what other games we've been playing this week. And then we'll we'll talk about the Disney movies we've been watching this week to then transition to the Peter Pan discussion, and then we will get into the world. That's how it goes. That's our agenda. Any questions? I didn't think so. Your exits are there, 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 and there. <laughs> Let's take off. I was about to say, where can I pick up my brochure, though? <laughs> Alrighty, so, Game Corner. Welcome to how much are you going to gush about Final Fantasy IX? Yes, so I, I'll let you go first. So I, I have okay. more, more breathing room to... Sure. To stand. <laughs> sure. I'm gonna play Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter's nice. good. I did like Monster nice. Hunter. That's, I would say that's basically, I guess, because I don't have much to talk about, I'll go into a little description. I reached, uh, in every, in every child's life, in every Monster Hunter game, there's a point <laughs> where you enter high rank. And that's what I did uh, as of, like, literally last night. Like, right before I went to bed, so... Each Monhan game is like the low rank and then a high rank. Yeah, high I've rank heard is... people describe this. Yeah, it's high rank is basically the real game, if you want to say it like that. I only <laughs> say it like that because the uh, you get better. Dr- I shouldn't say better drops. You get different drops. Like go all through low rank, making armor and weapons. I need like this, like fur from here, like a monster tier from there. But now they're like Monster Tier Plus and like uh, Legombi Pelt Plus. So the, mm-hmm. the material drops are different. The monsters are harder. By harder, it, it just, you know, they hit harder. They have more health. But also what I like about high rank, especially going through low rank, because I guess on depending on what game it is, low rank can be can vary a lot. But in high rank, they get moves as well. So you thought you knew uh-huh. this monster. And then all of a sudden it does a 360 drift into your face. And you're like, mm-hmm. where did that come from? Interesting. It, it feels like an actual upgrade, which is always, it's always nice. It's always fun. And you the, okay. the painstaking process of remaking all of your armor because it's not going to, not going to be good enough. Yeah. The game came out two weeks ago. I think three weeks ago. Is this record? No, I think you're right. Two weeks ago. Seems like you've been busy. That was one week. That was okay. It, it is like two weeks and some change at this point. Yes. It feels gotcha. like it's been lo- it feels like it's been longer than that, and maybe I'm just losing my mind. Yeah, we're in the weird podcast dimension where by sure. the time this goes out, it'll you know be a month old. So like we have to like account for that. So maybe we're like crossing wires. Uh, I've been taking it slow. I know a lot of people who are mm. well into high rank at this point, but I've been playing a little game called Kingdom Hearts, and I feel like I've made the joke before, but an indie title that. Really needs your help, so uh, subscribe here. Um, yes, please. Yeah. Mainly Monhan. I did. Nice. A friend of mine bought me a game that she's been playing a lot of, and mm-hmm. it's, it's a little game called Deep Rock Galactic. It's a very fun game. There, basically, there are four classes. There's. Uh, I should specify you're all space dwarves. It's basically space dwarves the game. If you want a, a big TLDR, 
but nice. there are there is like there's, there's four classes like there's a gunner there's a scout there's an ng and there's a driller and you mm-hmm. get dropped tr- uh, you get dropped on like these planetoids with a an objective i've only played like four missions but they're all like harvest so many of this mineral collect so many of this and it's i i'm not sure if they're randomly generated i feel like they're randomly generated but there are these you know big almost tunnel-like cave planets where you just have to dig through and find whatever you're looking for basically you have a cute little i don't know the acronym but it's called a mule in game it's like this little thing so as you harvest stuff whether it be like plants or gold or like other gems and stuff you'll get full and you have to call the mule over to you and then it's basically like your roaming bank you just dump all your stuff in it and you can start like mining stuff again i feel like i've heard uh one of my other podcasts talk about this they mentioned Mm. um they mentioned you would like leave the planet and you'd leave the mule behind but then there was an update recently where you could take it with you to like keep it happy because it's adorable (laughs) i don't know i don't know if it's the same game but it sounds very familiar where there's like a robotic companion (laughs) it sounds about right yeah or yeah (laughs) now i'm curious once we're done recording i'll ask my friend there are some areas where you'll have to like mine you can mine through basically anything but there's like oh i have to mine through this dirt okay if i want to be cheeky i can mine through this entire wall or so on and so forth but Mm -hmm. it's basically explore I, i would say have fun but uh, basically explore, but there are also enemies everywhere. So it's a mix of uh, it's a mix of gathering and uh, combat survival. Yeah, it's been a fun little game so far. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I mentioned I was opening a new game last night and that game was mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm a I'm a consumer sheep. Uh, fat me up, Nintendo, because I fell for your <laughs> capitalist carrot on a stick. <laughs> I bought the Super Mario 3D All-Stars Collection. Hey! Capitalism! Woo! Yeah, so, you know, R.I.P. Mario, he uh, he died on March 31st. We'll never forget who he died for our sin. He died for his own sins at this point. <laughs> um. So, yeah, it was pulled from the eShop. And then naturally, I start seeing a bunch of stories like, oh, like the physical copies are already going for like thousands of dollars on eBay. And then I was like yeah. getting all hot and panicked because like <laughs> I looked on GameStop and yeah, they had like physical copies like in stock. No problem. So I was like, oh, God, I, oh. I've held up this long. Should I cave? And yeah, I caved <laughs> because I'm I'm something of a Mario fan. Uh, you you can attest. Uh, I hosted a Mario party two years ago. True, literally like a Mario Day party. Yeah. So I figured, you know, I mean, I'm going to play the games because it's one of my favorite series. I love platformers. Um, so yeah, I just bit the bullet. So I mostly wanted it for Mario Galaxy, which is one of my favorite games of all time. But, you know, it came out on Wii originally. And fun fact, I'm left-handed. Hi. Oh. So Mario Galaxy is interesting because the game design has always been stellar, pun intended. But the controls have always been wonky for me because, you know, using the Wiimote, I would have to hold it in my left hand to use the pointer efficiently. 
So yeah. I would I would move with the right stick, which is like completely counterintuitive to all my gamer training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like I'm tr- I have like my hands because as soon as you mentioned left hand, I was like, how does that work? And I'm a very hands on person. So I'm literally just like as yep. if I were holding the controllers <laughs> in my hand right now. And I'm like, this feels I was about to say traitor or something. Well, yeah, totally. Like every other Mario game, I would move with my left thumb, but with Galaxy, I'd move with my right thumb. So, like, I always noticed something felt off about it, and I didn't realize until, you know, a few years after I played it that, like, oh, yeah, it's because I'm using complete opposite hands. So, I I didn't want to pass up the opportunity to play it finally with, you know, the way God intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I jumped straight into that one, and I played a little bit last night and this morning. Yeah, I mean, it's better, definitely, using my left thumb, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it comes with a caveat, because now, Nintendo going to Nintendo, it still has all the pointer functionality, but it, you have to use the Joy-Con, which is not as reliable, because there's not a sensor bar, so you have to, like, keep recalibrating it. Yeah, I haven't gotten to Galaxy yet, but that was, so when they said they were going to do the 3D pack, I'm like, alright, how are you going to import mm-hmm. XYZ mechanics? And so I was interested in how they were trying to pull off the uh the equivalent of like the the star bit shooter and the i guess the just the cursor basically yep so i mean it works fine enough it's definitely not as precise but it gets the gist but it's all locked to the right joy con so there's no left-handed mode which (gasps) is annoying because yeah like i'm like i'm literally like at a disadvantage because i just my right hand doesn't move like that (laughs) Kevin's just not allowed to win today. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you know, my heart goes out for, like, actual, you know, video game players with, like, disabilities, because this is what they go through all the time with, like, mm-hmm. games with shitty accessibility options, which, luckily, that's been that's been an issue that's gotten a lot more spotlight in recent years, but uh, Nintendo mm-hmm. doesn't seem to care. <laughs> well, they do, and then they don't. Uh, in some games, they'll put in a lot of, like, controller options, but then they're, like, breadwinner Mario. They're like, yeah, whatever, just... You'll buy this capitalist product anyway. Ah, uh, why did I buy this? <laughs> because we knew you peons would buy it. <laughs> I say that as someone who owns uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just been playing it. I mean, it's still a really fun game. Yeah, the last time I played them was for the Mario Party, so two years ago. So they're, like, still pretty fresh in my mind. So it's not like, <gasps> my childhood, I've returned. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. these games are good. <laughs> okay. Last time I played 64 was, I believe, on my Wii. And then yep. Sunshine I haven't played since, I wouldn't say launch year, but since the Game uh, since the Game Boy, since the GameCube. Oh, boy. And I think Galaxy as well. Like, yeah, I haven't played that since I beat it. Although I spent, I think I 100%ed original, or uh, I think you can get above 100%, I'm pretty sure. But I played Galaxy 1 extensively. And yeah. my first thought is like, do I love Galaxy One? And I, I think I do, but it's been so many years that I feel like it's a lost love at this point. Hmm. Oh, definitely be a a flame to rekindle. I was about to say I'm going to go back and see my lost lover at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the time of release, like it was definitely in my like top three games. I was pretty crazy for it. So be good. So yeah. Speaking of games, I'm crazy for. <laughs> so I've been playing more Final Fantasy Nine. As God intended. And, yeah, still good. So, I just started Disc 3. So, we're moving on. Burning through this, baby. So, I guess I should kind of explain what the game's about. (laughs) 
Um, which is kind of hard because I guess that this applies for every Final Fantasy game, but basically the story is, it really is just a road trip story. <laughs> yep. Uh, where like the plot like unfolds as you progress. Like there's not like a definitive, like, here's what we have to do. Like from the beginning, you unravel what's going on as you explore and meet new characters. But basically there's a war slash cold war going on between the different kingdoms in the land of Gaia. This game uses summons slash Adelons, if that's how you pronounce it. I always want to say Aladons. <laughs> so don't know where that uh, uh, word came from. But. <laughs> I, I'm trying to I'm vision the word in my head. I think I say Eidolon. Eidolon. Yeah, that, that works too because it is E-I. But um, yeah, basically it uses... It's they're basically like atomic bombs in this universe. <laughs> so I like, mean, it's not wrong, not wrong. <laughs> yeah, so the one kingdom uses them to overpower other kingdoms, and it all stems from Princess Garnet, who is the white mage in your party. So she's the summoner. So like she was used to extract the I'm just gonna call them summons. <laughs> uh, yeah, the summons right. were extracted from her, so she was basically a pawn uh, by the evil queen. So yeah, the plot is basically you know stop this evil plot, but also because you know it's Japanese RPG, uh, there's an even stronger villain hiding in the shadows pulling the strings. Um, so yeah, where I'm at in the game, that's more of the main focus now. Where we have to figure out, well, why is he doing this, um, and how can we stop him? And then from there, it gets exactly. even crazier, <laughs> naturally. Uh, but really, just so kooky. Yeah, as I mentioned last episode. Um, well, I kind of briefly mentioned it, but like this game, one of the reasons I love it so much is it just has a really strong sense of adventure. And again, much like Wind Waker, where you're going to all these different locations, like, yeah, the pacing in this game is just so good because, you know, compared to like a Final Fantasy VII where, you know, the whole intro is in Midgar, which, you know, that's, that's fine in its own right. And this game, within like the first few hours, you'll like go to seriously like, you know, five different locations. Yeah. So, like, there's just always a sense of progression and, like, something new. And, like, you're never one location too long. So, yeah. There's just, like, all sorts of exciting sights to see and people to meet. And it also does something interesting where your party changes a lot. And, yeah, it would lead to, like, interesting combinations where, you know, you probably wouldn't play as these characters on their own. But the game kind of, like, you know presents it to you and then you're like okay I'll, i guess i'll try this out and then there's like interesting parts where like s certain party members will break off and then they'll basically go on their little you know vacation slash field trip filler arcs yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and they'll have like little subplots going on the plot is very or at least the way it's told definitely reminds me of you know avatar the last airbender where it's like this journey but then there's like characters kind of like doing their own thing but like in locations that you recognize so like you get really just familiar with the world and like the different cultures and whatnot and yeah it's just fun the cast is really awesome all the characters are super lovable and endearing and have really good arcs so i'll just kind of go through the base cast so first and foremost, we have uh, the the ladies' man himself, Zidane. He's interesting because he's a very unconventional protagonist. Like you know, look at a lot. Look at him in a lineup with Cloud, um, Squall, and like Titus. 
<laughs> and he's just this goofy little monkey boy. Basically. Yeah, so his his job slash archetype is he's a thief, which is really fun. And the game starts with he's like part of an acting troupe. And so he's he's not really a good guy. So the whole the whole plot kicks off with his acting troupe planning to kidnap the princess. <laughs> and exactly, they yeah. they pull it off by like staging a play and then like kind of involving her in it and it's all very fun and whimsical. But um yeah, he's kind of a dweeb. Like he has this like little doily bib, like I don't even know what to call it, but like this little bow tie, which just looks super silly, and like he's just mm. got like this little um like vest on, but like no sleeves, so his design is just silly looking. But it's cute. So yeah, he thinks he's like real suave and charming, and he like pretty much immediately gets a crush on the princess, as you would guess. <laughs> Um, so, like, they have, like, a fun chemistry throughout where he, like, openly flirts with her and she's like, get real, but, you know, she starts to warm up to it. <laughs> but then, you know, he starts, he starts to learn what it means to be a hero. So, they're both great, um, Garnet especially. I guess you could say her arc is kind of predictable or she's, like, the hoity-toity princess type. But as she hangs out with this ruffian, she kind of learns to, you know, you know, take, take a chill pill, relax, but also she's got all this trauma of basically being responsible for the deaths of millions. <laughs> um, so yeah, she wants to make up for basically the queen's mistakes and the role she played in it. So that's, that's, she gets a lot of good screen time with that. And then there's arguably the breakout star, uh, little baby Vivi, who, ugh, he's a blue mage and anyone who's listening will recognize him from kingdom hearts Two. It's that Vivi. This is the game where he came from. And Vivi is uh, a sweet, precious boy who we must protect at all costs. So the other sort of half of, like, the looming threat in the plot is this army of black mages. And basically, Vivi is kind of, like, the bad batch of that, where, like, he was, like, a reject of the black mages, but that means he's good, basically. So... Mm-hmm. His whole arc is about, you know, figuring out who he is and, you know, what is the meaning of life and, like, you know, is he meant to be good? Is he meant to be bad? And I would not be surprised if uh, Nier Automata, the director Yoko Taro, if he was inspired by Vivi's subplot because definitely hits on a lot of the same themes, um, which are just as resonant here and makes you want to cry as it does in Nier Automata. So that obviously slaps. And then uh, rounding out the base cast is Steiner, who is also a good boy. But I think a lot of people hate him. <laughs> but he's the knight. Oh, I do love Steiner. So I'm yes. going to put myself on that side of the fence right now. All right. Nice. Steiner's annoying at first, but he is... I think after VB Steiner is my favorite character in Nine. Okay. Nice. So he's the loyal knight to the princess. So... He basically hates Zidane for kidnapping her and, you know, through plot wackiness, he ends up with that group. <laughs> so he's yep. on the, uh, he's on the princess's side and he just wants to get her back to the kingdom. But she, she wanted to be kidnapped. She wanted to escape because she knew her mother, the queen was acting so weird. So she wanted to like do something about it. So it's just like the first chunk of the game is this like tug of war basically between Steiner and Zidane in terms of like where to take the princess. And, you know, they have a a fun little repertoire of, like, exchanging insults and whatnot. And, yeah, 
he's kind of he's yeah, no he's straight up the wet blanket or like he's just always naysaying whatever Zidane yep. says and you're like okay Steiner like get over it but like well yeah he's a knight <laughs> like his whole life duty is to protect the princess he's not just gonna go along with this criminal <laughs> he's just trying to do job yeah yeah exactly he's just trying to do his job he's just being a good boy but yeah his plot or like his character arc is you know coming to terms with you know maybe my duty was misled like maybe i've pledged my life to the wrong um cause basically so that's interesting so yeah gameplay wise um yeah i mentioned last week that the kind of main idea of the battle system is you learn your abilities through your equipment but one of the things that i dislike slash like the most is this game has a ton of missable equipment and with that equipment are exclusive abilities where you can't learn them anywhere else so the first time i played through i was checking my character's abilities and i was like why am i missing all these like why do i have all these empty spots and i looked it up and like oh (laughs) these are abilities that you're supposed to learn from the uh the silver gauntlets from disc two which you can't buy anymore chump so deal with it yep there's a there's a lot of that in nine yes so on one hand i like it because it's like you know, the game has, like, secrets, and, like, you can replay it a lot and, like, find new things, and, like, it just kind of plays into, like, you know, that special time of games where, like, not everything was immediately available on the internet as soon as the game came out, and there was, like, actual, like, secrets in the game. <laughs> yeah. So I do like that, but also, yeah, it is annoying when, you know, that ability just gets locked out for your 50-hour playthrough. So, yeah, I kicked it old school, and I literally printed out an FAQ <laughs> of all the missable <laughs> oh items. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome, actually. So, yeah, I'm, like, checking that off as I go along. But, yeah, wouldn't you know it, I've still managed to miss a few. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's a time, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not surpri- I'm not surprised. I was actually thinking just now, I was like, how many... Thinking specifically in Final Fantasy terms of, like, how many of X missable things there are. And I think 9, from just from, like, the top of my head, I think 9. I'm not sure if it has the most, but it feel they feel more prominent. I think it's because, I, like, how you mentioned, like, most of the abilities come from equipment. So, yeah. you're locked out of X skill because of this thing. My, my biggest competitor with that is just enemy skill in 7, but mm-hmm. that's mainly a materia. But it's on the same level as, like, if you miss this boss fight, you don't get hit by this move, you'll never have this move ever again. Yeah, totally. But yep, I feel like totally. 9, it feels more impactful, because, especially with enemy skill, there's, like, a bajillion of them. So, like, oh, I'm missing a few, maybe I don't care too much. Whereas mm-hmm. 9, it's a pivotal part of each separate character, so it's like, oh, crap, I'm missing this thing. Yeah, like, one of the abilities that I missed in my last playthrough was, like, one of Steiner's ultimate attacks, basically. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. cool. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm kind of going for a completionist run this time, although Mm. it'll never be a true completionist, because uh, I think it's Zidane's... It it might not be his ultimate weapon, but it's one of his best weapons. Or maybe it's Steiner's, actually, but it's Excalibur two. And you can only get it by basically speedrunning the game in 12 hours. <laughs> um, so I will definitely not be doing that this run. But I am, I'm thinking maybe next time I play, I might try going for that. Who knows? Oh, God. Is there, a, there has to be a guide of, like, here's how to 
Here's how to speedrun the game in 12 hours. Not only is there a guide just for speedrunning it, there's a guide for speedrunning a perfect game, which is basically what I'm already doing, but, like, maximizing the amount of items oh, you can get. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But also, That's... like, as okay. a level one run... <laughs> Oh, no, not level one. Yeah, which I don't even know how you can do in Final Fantasy IX. Like, I think you have to specifically petrify yourself so you don't gain experience to each their own. But that just sounds like a living hell. (laughs) I'm I'm screaming internally right now. I just want you to know that. And also externally. Yeah. Yeah, from what I've read, because, yeah, I was really curious, like, how is this even a thing? Like... A lot of it is just RNG dependent of, like, you know, which attacks an enemy is going to use and kind of, like, the spawn rates and whatnot. So I was like, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying my time. So, with that being said, why don't we uh, move on over to Disney Corner? So before we talk about Peter Pan... Um, I'll try to do a speed round of other Disney movies I've been watching this week. And I mean, like, an actual speed round. (laughs) Uh, But we all know that's a lie. (laughs) 30 seconds, go! Okay, so first, I'll just knock out the quickest one. Um, So in my chronological viewing, uh, The Wind in the Willows was up next. (laughs) And I know what you're saying. What the hell are you talking about? I don't even know what that movie is. Um, It's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Paired with oh yes um, yes this is oh my god jeez <laughs> or, or sorry the the actual movie is called Ichabod and Mr Toad yes but mm-hmm. the Mr Toad segment is based on the Wind and the Willows children's books <laughs> and then Ichabod is Sleepy Hollow for some reason <laughs> and they just like fuse them together as one little movie but um mm-hmm. yeah so I watched that which I've never seen before. Except I didn't watch it because I fell asleep in like seriously ten minutes. Like it is boring <laughs> AF. This this movie could be weaponized as some sort of sedative. <laughs> we, we don't we don't uh, we don't need to waterboard anybody anymore. We just make them watch this movie. Yep, that's the Mister Toad segment. So I would fast forward to the Ichabod segment because um, I imagine that's actually entertaining. Because you know Sleepy Hollow, spooky. That's my jam. But it just felt wrong watching it any other time besides Halloween. So I was like, eh, well, we just won't do this one. I skipped that and I went to the next one on the list, which is Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) So we can, but yeah, we can finally right the wrong of our Alice (laughs) in the Wonderland episode and talk about the actual movie. And I could say that, given how limited the world design is, they do fit in a decent amount of references. And, like, just, like, little things where, like, you know, if you hit the queen during the card fight and then she flies, she, like, falls over and she exposes her bloomers, like, that's actually seen in the movie. <laughs> Which is pretty fun. Um, so, yeah, I think they did a pretty decent job, actually, with what they had. But um, okay. it's weird because the Lotus Forest, which is, you know, like 50% of the world, like, that's not really a specific location in the movie. Like, it's kind of like just much like in the world. It's just the transition between all the other different set pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, and I remember that at least. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's ever specifically called the Lotus Forest. But um, I don't think so, but I didn't recently watch the movie, so... Yeah, I don't... I have I no, don't... Get, no d- Dilly Darn clue. 
Yeah, so it's just interesting why they specifically focused on that area. But um, mm-hmm. now that I have a pretty decent amount of these uh, classic Disney movies under my belt, I can say confidently that they all have the same issues of... One, most of the characters are pretty unlikable or just annoying. <laughs> so that's especially true in Wonderland because everyone's crazy. And then also there's no real semblance of plot or like an actual plot structure. Like it's just things happening and we'll get to that in Peter Pan. But yeah, like it kind of makes it hard to watch because you're just kind of going from one scene to another and like you're just meeting all these annoying characters. And you're like, okay. The, the art is definitely there and it's all really great to look at. But like the story definitely hadn't found you know that disney x factor i guess you could say so i'm curious at what point like which movie will i watch where i'll be like oh wow that actually feels like disney movie like the disney movie that people love you know like your lion kings and your Aladdins, where it's like okay like yeah it's a character there's a story like you understand what's happening versus you know watch bambi trot through the forest and meet all the yeah. fun little bunnies <laughs> But um, I will say, I think so far, Alice in Wonderland is probably the most entertaining of the bunch, uh, which is kind of surprising because, yeah, I've never really had a thing for Alice in Wonderland. But yeah, I mean, Wonderland naturally is, it's just an interesting location. Like, again, we'll get into this with Peter Pan, but I feel like it's everything Neverland should have been. Also, Alice as a character is probably the most interesting because she's... She's a little sassy, but also she's just kind of quirky and out there. So, like, the way she thinks is interesting and her dialogue's fun. So, like, yeah, she was interesting to watch because she wasn't just, like, your typical boring Disney protagonist, basically. So, yeah, kudos kudos to Alice in Wonderland. But, yeah, besides that, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is Frozen 2. Frozen 2, huh? Yeah, so have you seen this movie? I... Have not the only the one impression I will tell you about is from the trailer, and this is this is this is coming from a grown man who saw Frozen the original in theaters at a matinee showing, and I was surrounded by small <laughs> children yep. and their guardians. Yep. Uh, I did not see Frozen two, unfortunately. The one the one hey! I guess the one meme or joke I can say is that the original trailer. Elsa is trying to learn how to use her powers. And I was mm-hmm. like, she's an X-Man at this point. Woohoo. That's my one joke. That's my single joke about Frozen 2. I have not seen it. I know Sterling K. Brown is in it. That's about it. He plays a kingdom man person and he's hot. So that's all I can tell you. <laughs> um, okay, well, you're not missing much. Because <laughs> I can tell you Sterling K. Brown is in it for like two minutes. <laughs> no! Yeah, no. I'm um, never watching this movie! <laughs> so yeah this movie is kind of a mess <laughs> you can definitely tell it suffered a lot from rewrites and sort of i don't want to say studio interference but a lot of behind the scenes like changing priorities basically mm-hmm. where like yeah the plot just doesn't really add up to anything based on uh the two sort of breakout numbers uh into the unknown which is pretty good and then um Show Yourself, which was apparently supposed to be this version's Let It Go. But um, the first time I heard it, like, it didn't even really register to me that this was supposed to be the big song. (laughs) Because, again, the plot is just so, like, half-hearted. 
So, yeah, based on those two songs, it would lead you to believe that the movie is about Elsa... Yeah, like you mentioned, like wanting to explore her powers and find out where they came from and basically, you know, reach the next chapter of her growth. That's what the movie wants you to think it's about. But then it gets bogged down in like, you know, wanting to recapture the first movie's, um, you know, sisterly relationship between Elsa and Anna. But it kind of just comes off as Anna nagging Elsa. (laughs) It's very much like how... In Rise of Skywalker, Finn's whole role in that movie was bugging Rey not to leave him and then just getting in her way to the point where she literally force pushes him out of a scene because she's had enough of his nonsense. Like, <laughs> Elsa literally does this in this movie. She just, like, <laughs> she, like, pushes Anna and Olaf's there, too. Um, she just pushes them away so she can go do her plot stuff. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, like... Yeah, the movie's not sure if it wants the two of them to be together or if it wants them to be separate. It's a mess. It sounds like a mess. Yeah, it's just, like, way too many plot lines and, like, the movie just didn't know what it was supposed to be about. And, like, it wanted, like, yeah, that first trailer made it seem like, oh, it's going to be, like, this grand adventure of, like, going to this mysterious autumn kingdom. But, like, they literally get there in, like, two minutes. (laughs) And, like, that's pretty much just it. So, like, it's wild. So... After that, I watched Into the Unknown, the making of Frozen 2 documentary on Disney+. Plus. Uh, su- subscribe for $9.99 per month or free with your oh basic Verizon uh, uh, family plan. And this was vastly more entertaining than the movie itself. Just watching all the behind the scenes of, like, how did we get here? And um, I, I, won't, I won't go too much into it because I, I do think it's worth a watch. But yeah, like, you can just tell from the scenes, behind the scenes, like, they didn't even know like, what certain plot beats were going to be. And so, like, you know, they, like, literally had the songs recorded and they were trying to figure out, like, okay, well, what is this song even supposed to be about? So, yeah, just, there's, like, a lot of scenes of them in, like, story meetings just trying to figure out, like, like, does this work? Does this make sense? And then, like, they go to, like, test screenings with audiences and then the audiences are, like, they get a lot of feedback about, like, oh, this plot's confusing. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, who is this supposed to be? Yada, yada, yada. So... Yeah, it was really interesting just to see, like, I mean, I didn't like the movie, but just watching all the work that goes into it, like, never mind, like, you know, the insane technology with all the animation, like, it definitely gave me appreciation for it. So, you know, if you're curious about how movies are made, especially animated movies, um, it's it's a really good watch. It's like six episodes and they're like 45 minutes each. So it's like a little mini series, but like, yeah, it's really cool. And you get a lot of FaceTime with... The co-director, Jennifer Lee, who's, you know, a woman, which is great. And then she became, like, the chief creative officer for Disney animated movies. And I I would assume it's just because Frozen did so well, but I would like to look more into that, of, like, her background. But, um, yeah, it's cool just seeing her talk about the movie because, you know, she's really passionate about it. But also, like, she's very relatable. Like, one of the cool things I found out is she's a single mom. Which is crazy that, like, the, like, writer of, like, the biggest anime movie of all time is, you know, just trying to raise her kid, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely an interesting watch. Um, like I said, vastly prefer that to the actual Frozen 2. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, under, understandable based on what, you, what, you, what we've been talking about. Yeah. Like, I would almost recommend the movie. Uh, well, no, I'd say definitely watch the movie before you watch the documentary just to get a sense of what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, the movie is entertaining enough to watch just to see like what happened here. <laughs> and there are a few good songs, but yeah, it's just so crazy to me. Like, I mean, I get like, yeah, there's this insane amount of pressure, but also like following up, you know, the biggest movie ever with like this and like this was the result. It's just really interesting to think about. But um, yeah, Frozen Fever, more like Frozen forget about it I don't know. Okay, let's let's get to the movie proper let's talk about another meh movie uh peter pan spoiler alert about how we feel about it um well my mouth's dry so i'll let you sort of kick off the discussion okay so what did you think of of pietro panini uh p p you mean a pierre panay uh, Peter Pan, pretty meh, to be honest. Like, yeah, I think we have I... different views on it, but like our average score averages out to be like you know five out of ten. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, like it was with uh with these Disney movies. I've been trying. I am a very multitask person, so I have mm. to be playing a game on my phone, watching a thing. Okay. Like, when I work, I I have to work with like headphones on, either playing or not playing, just to. I need to be doing two things at once <laughs> to, you millennial. to do one thing. Very true. Which is very, yeah, very millennial. But Peter Pan, I can tell you, I I found very little reason to look up from my phone every few minutes. Just hearing the movie itself, I feel most of the time was enough for me. I did scrub back. What act, about the beginning of Act 3, I scrubbed back to the beginning midway point of act two to be like, okay, let me pay attention this time. And it was, it was not worth throwing back for (laughs) certain things just because of how animation works and like certain little bitties were cool to go back and actually watch as opposed to be being such a millennial about it. But uh, Peter Pan was overall pretty. uh, uh, Yeah. For me. I mean, I think we talked about this earlier, just the fact of Stringing things together and calling them a plot is, yep. I feel like a lot of these early, these early 40s, 50s animation movies are going to be. Yeah, I mentioned unlikable characters and very flimsy plot, which this movie has in spades. Yeah, every character sucks in this movie, pretty much. <laughs> Not every character. I mean, <laughs> Wendy's fine, yeah. but everyone's like... <laughs> just abuse Wendy. <laughs> I guess the mom's fine too, but like the father sucks. Uh, Peter Pan I really sucks. I forgot Dan was so angry. Yeah, like calm down, middle-aged white English dandy. Like you'll be fine. <laughs> He's just so very like, hmm. Yeah, he even takes the dog outside. Like don't, don't, don't mess with the dog. What are you doing, man? Man, I didn't do anything mm. wrong. Yeah, Peter Pan sucks. The the mermaids really suck. Like that that seems hard to watch just because they're so awful to her. <laughs> uh Tinkerbell Tinkerbell sucks, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. And then, you know, pirates are pirates, so they're not gonna be great. And then yeah, like Wendy's basically the only good character to watch. Like the boys, Michael and John, like they're they're just kind of dumb. They're very serviceable. Yeah. They they do their job and nothing else. And that's just to, to I mean, here, just to be boys and drive the plot. Exactly. They don't have 
Like they just go dreams along with. And, I mean, yeah. I was about to say it's the they're they're just boys. They don't have dreams and desires, but they're also <laughs> like kids. So like how how like what are they gonna have? Like Wendy has like the I don't want to grow up, which leads into the whole Peter Pan Neverland da 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 da. But Michael, it's it's very I guess in today's comparison, Michael and John are just there. Yep. So they'll be as good or bad as the scene demands. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so one thing that I forgot about is like. Peter Pan exists in this world and like it's a story that when he tells the kids and like we can assume that yeah her mom told to her and maybe even her dad um mm-hmm. so like they weren't surprised when he showed up like when he was like oh Peter come on in basically so yeah that was kind of interesting because it kind of immediately sets it up like this isn't as like fanciful as I thought it would be because like the characters are just kind of nonplussed about it like they're like oh okay we can fly cool let's go like they're they're not nearly as surprised as they should be definitely let's see we go to Neverland and yeah like I mentioned earlier like Wonderland is what Neverland isn't and that Neverland wants to be like the crazy magical world, but like it's pretty boring actually. <laughs> and honestly it doesn't really make sense in terms of like the different factions, if you will. So like by all intents and purposes, it's just like a jungle, really. So like the major locations are I guess the Lost Boys hideout. So we have the Lost Boys, which I'm not really sure where they came from, but I guess they're like other boys that Peter Pan pilfered in the night and recruited <laughs> to his army. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not get into it. Well, they, they mentioned, like, when Peter Pan's like, Wendy's here to be your mom. It's like, what's a mom? I remember having a mom. Yeah, exactly. So there's Lost Boys. There's the Mermaid's Lagoon. So we've got mm-hmm. the mermaids. Then we have, I guess we'll just go to, like, the Native American slash the Indian camp, as the movie referred to it. And then the pirate ship with Captain Hook and his jolly old men, which I'm not... Not so jolly at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) Where did they come from? Like, how did they get to Neverland? Like, have they always been there? Or is it just, like, they, like, stumbled upon it? Because, like, at the end of the movie, or, like, towards the end, they're kind of saying, like, oh, let's get the heck out of here. Which is weird how, like, Smee comes to that conclusion. He's like, oh, like... Tinkerbell's jealous of Peter Pan, so, like, we should get out of here. We don't want to be around these types of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I would ask if you remember, but probably not. <laughs> I No, I, I remember that um, when they're trying to deceive Tink, they're like, we're, we're going to leave Neverland forever. We're yeah. not coming back. Bye-bye. But it's all ruse. But they, the fact they can leave exactly. Neverland. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you have these, like, four groups that have nothing to do with each other, and that's the whole island basically and it's like how does this work together like how's this a thing <laughs> mm-hmm. so like neverland's not nearly as like interesting as you would assume it would be i feel like neverland wants to be it, it, neverland wants to be wonderland but yeah it's exactly just not. yeah like the most interesting part about it is the mermaid lagoon which okay cool like what else is there <laughs> What else yeah, you got? Yeah, uh, they, they try. They get jealous of Wendy. They try. I was like, they're gonna try and drown her. These just these aren't mermaids. These are sirens. And they mentioned like, oh, we were just trying to drown her, Peter. Don't you worry. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah. So like, why would you want to go to this place? It sucks. <laughs> exactly. But you never grow up. I was surprised that like, well, I wasn't surprised. There's obviously the whole like racist thing uh, with the Native Americans, like in 
Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Like the whole song they sing is like, oh god, cringe. Why? Yeah. Why is the red man red? The Indians are just. I shouldn't say even say Indians. The Native Americans. They're just living stereotypes in this movie. <laughs> yep. Um. And then the movie's also really like chauvinist and like sexist. Um. Mm-hmm. So like it tries yeah, to do this weird thing of like obviously Tinkerbell's really jealous, which I can kind of buy that because you know that's just her character. But then, like, they try to pit Wendy and um, Tiger Lily kind of against each other, which is, like, really weird. And also, like, these are little children, and they're, like, jealous over, like, kissing Peter Pan, basically. It's like, okay, this is so weird. Why is this happening? (laughs) And then, like, the way Mr. Darling, the way he treats Wendy is very, like, oh, like, you need to be a woman. Yeah. I love how his punishment for her is, starting tomorrow, you get your own bedroom, young lady. I was about to say, <laughs> you don't sleep in the nursery anymore. And I was like, is that a punishment? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Peter Pan himself is just the worst. And I'm thinking yeah. specifically of that line where Wendy doing just, you know, being a good person, she sews his shadow back to him, which is very nice. And he just completely writes her off. And he, like, specifically says something like, oh, like, keep sewing, girl. Or, like, something just, like, completely just pig-headed. And, like, wow. Uh, Really? (laughs) And, like, it's not even like it plays into, like, his character where, like, later he grows to realize, oh, like, he shouldn't have, you know, treated Wendy like that just because she's a girl. Yeah, no, that never comes up again. And then she just kind of forgets about it. She's like, okay, fine, Peter. I still love you. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely no redeeming qualities, Peter Pan. Yeah, he sucks. Um, he, like, kind of comes around where, like, yeah, for the most most of the movie, he's just kind of, like, being very, like, standoffish with Wendy and, like, acting like he's too cool for school. But then he kind of comes around at the end where he, like, actively saves her. And then the scene where he saves Tinkerbell after the hideout explodes and, like, he kind of, like, shows that, yes, he does care about her. Like, that was mm. just a little smidge of, you know, the, the Grinch's heart growing three sizes that day. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, he's still pretty lame. <laughs> and one and a half sizes for Peter. Yeah. <laughs> The general story of the movie is just so, you mentioned it when you first messaged me, it's just so, like, there's nothing at stake. It's so inconsequential. Like, mm. they they literally just take a tour of Neverland and then they go home. So, like, they go to Neverland, the pirates shoot cannons at them, and then they all split up. And then they meet the Lost Boys and My- Michael and John. They split off of the Lost Boys to go to the Indian camp, and then they get caught by them. Because they suck and they're stupid white boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, meanwhile, Wendy and Peter Pan go to the Mermaid Lagoon and then splash around for a little bit. And then they see Captain Hook going to Skull Rock with Tiger Lily. And then they go save her. And then they all meet back at the Indian camp for a little party and underage tobacco. Yep. Yeah. So after that, you know, the party's winding down. So Wendy decides she's going to go crash at the base camp. Yeah, she takes the Lost Boys with her, and then Peter Pan gets all huffy, because he's like, well, fine then, be that way. Uh, yeah, I, so I want to leave Neverland. No, you shouldn't You shouldn't leave. You stay here forever. I am your captor. <laughs> no, Peter Pan, I don't want to stay here. <laughs> fine, leave then, see if I care. Yep, uh, and then Hook and his pirates ambush them and kidnap them, set the trap for Peter, 
And then that pretty much leads directly into the pirate ship face-off. And then that's game. So, like... God, even the stakes on the pirate ship. There is only... There is literally only a threat because Peter Pan handicaps himself on purpose because he's (laughs) dared to do it. So, yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of the plot. Um... I'll close it out with a few things I did like about the movie. Um, yeah. Let's see. I think the best part of the movie was the um, uh, you can fly sequence when they're flying over the London, the London sky. You can fly. Yeah, the way that was you know animated and shot and the music all coming together like that was pretty good. Definitely mm-hmm. the peak of the movie for sure, and that's why 100%. everyone wants to get that tattoo on their wrist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, God, he brought up some bad memories. I, to be fair, I do not have a tattoo that says you can fly, but I, like, insert, like, dozens of stereotypical images of that happening, and now I I just want to rip my brain out of my skull. Well, no, I think it's, like, and not not the words, it's, like, the silhouette of, like, all the characters flying. Like, I think that's a... Yeah. Or at least it was a popular there, tattoo. <laughs> there's a lot of variations of it. I've, I, I remember yeah. seeing the kids, the kids flying. There's one, like... With just the text, there's a combination of both. There's a, there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, so that part was nice, and in general, uh, the way Tinkerbell's animated is a highlight of the movie. Uh, particularly her damn pixie dust. <laughs> it just looks so colorful and pretty, and it makes you want to take a nap. And it's very soothing and magical, mm-hmm. and it's it's mm, it's good stuff. Give me give me more of that pixie dust, please. <laughs> but no, I I, did, I do really like like it was very nostalgic seeing it. It just made me feel like a kid again. Like ooh, pretty colors on mm-hmm. screen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then finally, I mean, yeah, Captain Hook is probably the best part of the movie. As as mm-hmm. as villains tend to be in Disney movies, but yeah, he's probably the first standout villain in terms of like, oh yeah, like that's a really fun character. Like I guess you know, Alice when I came out mm-hmm. beforehand, but like Queen of Hearts, eh, she's eh, she yeah. kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> Hook, I Hook, I uh, like yeah, Hooks me and the crocodile are my favorite uh, three Stooges. The crocodile yeah. is the best character in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was going to end on that. Like, Crocodile is literally the best character. You cannot tell me otherwise. Yeah, like, the scenes of him, like, chasing Captain Hook actually got, like, laugh-out-loud moments from me. Like, I was, like, surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's Peter Pan. It's, it's frustrating to me, because I can see the pieces of it being much more entertaining. Um, which yes. is probably why there have been so many Peter Pan movies since. So, this was before... The thing when I started replaying the level... Not watching the movie, I got uh, a reminder that they just started filming. The the, the next in the Disney live action is going to be Peter Pan. So get ready for disappointment. <laughs> Actually, I I'm more open to that one because I mean, yeah, you can only go up from the animated one, pretty much. It's true. <laughs> my first thought is my first thought is how do you adapt it for 2021? Also, the title is Peter Pan and Wendy, or Wendy and Peter Pan, not just. Peter Pan. Okay, that's that's interesting. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say I'll be curious to see what they do with it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Kingdom Hearts. This is one of those worlds with a unique animation when you approach it in the gummy ship, in that <laughs> you get ambushed by a giant floating pirate ship in the sky, <laughs> which is 
questionable. It's a thing that happens, but it's... <sighs> my, my, I always relate it to Monstro because it's like you just said, it's, it, it's a unique animation. It's not, you know, you go up to Monstro, Monstro swallows you. You go up to, you don't even go to Neverland. You get intercepted by yep. Hulk's ship in yeah. deep space of all places. <laughs> I, I would assume it's a nod to how the ship flies at the end of the movie, but it doesn't really make sense because... That only happens because Peter Pan uses Tinkerbell's pixie dust, so, like, the pirates wouldn't have access to that technology. <laughs> yep. So why is it flying? Also, it looks completely different in the overworld, which is weird. <laughs> like, it looks like a Fisher-Price pirate ship, basically. <laughs> yeah, but and then when you actually get to roaming around, it's 100% different. Yeah. It's still on water for some I, I noticed when we... I noticed in this cutscene, in the final cutscenes, there's still water. Like, you you encounter this pirate ship in deep space, and all of a sudden, it's just a ship out at sea. Yep, so it would imply that the pirates kidnapped SDG, and then they went back to Neverland for some reason. Oh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So let's just get into it. So, uh, cue the cutscene where it's a very awkward reunion. Ah, uh, with Riku and Sora. I just love how the scene opens with Sora just strutting on the deck. Like, <laughs> what's going on? Keyblade do, Master do, here. Do, yeah. do. Like, could you, could you just be self-aware for like five seconds? Yeah, he runs into Riku and classic Riku dialogue. Uh, you suck, I good, darkness better. Uh, Kairi's with me now, deal with it. <laughs> You're stupid! <laughs> Probably the meanest insult Sora's ever tossed out in the entire series. Like, <laughs> I think so. It's... I mean, speaking of Sora being self-aware, this is the one moment I feel like... I shouldn't say one moment. It's one of the few moments in Elise Cage 1 where Sora's not just, guffaw, here I am. Like, he's thinking for himself. He's like, Riku's like, I have the power of darkness, you fool. And Sora's like, you buffoon. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, But yeah, Riku has leveled up his darkness. He's been, he's been grinding. Uh, so now he can... Create shadow puppets of people. Um, we meet Anti-Sora. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, what you pointed out, and I think this is 100% real, is a reference to Peter Pan losing his shadow. Yes. Just, I can make, I control the Heartless now, Sora, and boom! Look in the mirror, Damon! Yeah, like, I, I didn't make this connection until, like, a year or two ago, so, like, it took a while, but I finally realized, oh, wait, Peter Pan loses a shadow, Sora loses a shadow, like, this is totally what they're going for, which is, like, really cool. Uh I think it's definitely what they're going for, because if you leave this world, like, before beating anti-Sora, and you go to any other world, Sora won't have a shadow. Oh! Mm Mm-hmm. Like, like, go to Olympus Coliseum or somewhere, like, really bright, and, like, normally Mm -hmm. he'll have a shadow on the ground, but, like, if you go during this period like yeah his shadow's gone which is crazy oh such a cool detail oh god actual attention to detail good good golly gosh batman so bad news all around uh riku's riku's in charge he's the captain now basically and yeah captain hook has basically just falls in line which is kind of disappointing like he doesn't really put up a fight he just listens to this, listens to this bratty kid he may have like one small side coming of like this brat's controlling my ship but other than that he sent team set tends to like just shut up and yeah but it's it's like to no, me like on the sidelines like it's not like Tariku's face <laughs> oh 100% yeah 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 it's not like mm, Riku you suck it's like 
It's literally like muttering, like the it is literally muttering under his breath, yeah. like the blasted kid. So yeah, Riku's got this, got this on lock, and then he has this. Um, he says to Hook and Smee, like, "Oh, make sure they're in the brig. I don't want him anywhere near Kyrie." Which, if you didn't want him near Kyrie, why did you go to the effort of capturing them? Like, what does this accomplish for you? Nothing, absolutely nothing. It just makes your life more difficult uh maybe you maybe their cannons don't work in in deep space <laughs> uh Des, something something i don't know so like this world would have made so much more sense if yeah it just it just had sora and Don and goofy just stumble upon them instead of actually being captured and like it would be the easiest fix like all you have to do is just get rid of the gummy ship cutscene and just have them like wander on the ship yeah. and then it's it really makes no difference in, like, all the cutscenes after that. They don't really mention, like, oh, no, we were captured, unless oh, there were... Oh, boy, where are we now? Oh, crap, they're here! Get them out of here! Yeah, exactly. So, it's just weird. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, we cut back to, I guess they're, like, quote-unquote, in the brig. But, um, yeah, really cute cutscene where they're all dogpiled on top of each other, and Donald's like, how about getting off? And then cue the audience flasher, and, oh, aren't they so cute? Yeah, it's just interesting because it's kind of whimplash where, you know, Sora was pretty aggro in the last scene, but now he's all chipper and happy because he's excited to see Kyrie. That was definitely Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, their mood totally comes crashing down because they meet Peter Pan and, uh, oh boy. <laughs> and one of my notes is literally, is Peter Pan this much of an asshole in the movie? And the answer is yes. Pretty yes, much. He is. Yeah. He introduces himself by saying, I'm the answer to your prayers. And I just assumed that would be a direct line from the movie, but as far as I noticed, it's not, which is interesting. He just thinks really highly of himself, but, um... <laughs> he's just that pretentious. Yeah. But, yeah, he needs Sora to get out, because he's got that giant keyblade, so, uh... I do, I do like, now that you mentioned that, uh... He's like, how do we get out of here? And Sora's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just got, the, the, like, the sly smile and, like, the f uh, his fist up to his mouth. Yep. He bled out, and he's like... <laughs> so, yeah, Peter Pan joins our party. Yeah, I, I'll say he he feels like he's a good party member. It's kind of hard to say, because he's not around for that long. <laughs> but, like, his, um... I think it's called Hummingbird. Like, that attack is really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. He just screams that a, a million times. <laughs> Um, and he's got stop magic, which is pretty, pretty intense. Uh, but he seems, oh, yeah, seems to always use it like immediately, like when the heartless are already on their last legs. So it's like, oh, great. You just mm -hmm. prolong the fight. Thanks. So he has stop and he has, uh, uh, arrow magic. Yeah. So he, he's not bad, but yeah, he seriously just, I mean, just in general, Neverland is a very tiny world, but, um, he's only <gasps> in it for like five rooms five very small rooms at that <laughs> and then he just he just eats himself and wendy out of the scene <laughs> yeah i would i feel like it could be part of the fact that neverland is very small in terms of world design also in terms of length i think i besides i think the cutscenes took up the most time oh totally for this world in in my playthrough 100 percent. it probably took me an hour total but i had saved after i'd gone back to olympus coliseum and done a cup so, like, less than an hour, but that's at the speed of me stopping and taking my notes. So, like, yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's a really short world, for sure. I feel like every time you're in a new room, there's a cutscene, basically. Basically. So, yeah, let's talk about the world design. Um, have you ever been trapped in a small box? 
Because that's what the pirate ship feels like. Yeah. So, like, everyone who's ever complained about Kingdom Hearts 1's camera, like, this world is all of those fears personified, basically, because it just gets stuck on everything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this... The first room especially is just a terrible impression of the world because it's got, like, the, like, bottom portion where you'll fight some Heartless and then you climb the ladder to, like, the upper portion. But then, like... You got a small landing. Yep. And then there's, like, Heartless on either one, but you'll still be in battle even if you're on a different level from them. So then you have to, like, climb up or jump down to finish them off, which is annoying. But then, yeah, there's, like, all these, like, poles that the camera gets caught on, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so confused. And, like, yeah, the the world in general, like, everything just looks very samey. Like, probably even worse than Deep Jungle, because it's all just wooden walls and brown, empty room. Brown, 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 yep. brown, brown. Yep, and the way you progress is just going through different doors, so it gets really confusing of, like, which doors you have and haven't gone through yet, <laughs> and then some of them will just be yep. arbitrarily locked, and you're like, okay. Yep, there's, like, two or, th- there's, like, I think there's two in the entire world that just doors that do not open and will not open. Yep. It's funny that the world where a character that can fly is your party member, that <laughs> yep. especially the first, very first area is like a jigsaw puzzle, but made into a room. Yep. What were they thinking? Yeah, while you're exploring, you will run into Antisora and like his taunting form, basically, where he doesn't really attack you. Or if he does, it's like a, it's kind of like a genie attack where it's like very easy to avoid, but like it'll do a lot of damage if it does hit you. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you can take him out super easily, just a few hits. And then when you do, he actually has really good loot. So like, I think he'll drop like mega potions and then elixirs which is crazy yeah i'm trying to i literally just looked it up right now rewards are uh 50 chance at a mega potion yep five percent chance at an elixir also 20 percent for a lucid crystal which is actually pretty good oh he, and he, he has a single attack it's, it's kind of like uh i don't know it's the equivalent of like the uh power wild stripping on the banana or the the bouncy wild stripping on their own bananas like if he does like this small kick and he he hits you, you'll lose money. But if he misses, he drops a bunch of money. He gets, he gets like, frustrated. It's, it's the Charlie Brown football kick. Exactly. Uh! So so here's here's my thing. Is that the Shadow Soras and the Anti... An, not Anti-Sora. You know, Anti-Sora is the, the boss. Or, you know, the, the, the thing we saw get created. Mm-hmm. Those are technically considered separate. According to whom... According to the, uh, the indomitable KH strategy guide, <laughs> and I'm also well, I'm on the wiki page right now, and it counts Anti Sora as a variation huh. of Shadow Sora. Interesting. For 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 reasons that yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So you make your way through the ship, and then you get a cutscene where oh my god, Goofy, you can't just ask people why they can fly. And um, yeah, one thing I will say about this world is. For once, Donald and Goofy actually get a few good lines in, in the cutscenes anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Donald has a few fun ones about basically teasing Tinkerbell. Uh, and then yeah, Goofy asks, asks Peter Pan about the whole flying deal. So they're actually present, semi-present, I guess, in the plot. So hey, Donald and Goofy, nice to, nice to have you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty much cut to the anti-Sora fight. Although it's annoying because in the room where you leave off after the cutscene and save room, like, you have to, like, 
exit the, the room, then go back to another room, then jump up the hole, and then... Or maybe maybe I'm thinking... Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of after you beat Anti-Sora. To get to the outside of the ship, you have to take this like really weird roundabout way instead of just taking the door right there that you know leads outside, but it's locked for some reason. No, yes. So after the fight, you have to drop back down. Yeah, you exactly. You come back up, and things spawn, and yada, 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 but it gets... It gets to be annoying. Yeah. So, anti-Sora time, baby. So, last episode, I promised I would give Bambi the time to shine. Uh, and I did that here. So, <laughs> my inner darkness personified. Uh, fluffy deer, go. The light at the end of the tunnel. I summoned little bamboo. And I still don't know exactly how he works. But I know there's like this weird modifier where the more enemies you attack, the more, like the better loot you'll get, basically. But... Since it's just a boss fight, you know, he'll only stay at the basic level, which is just dropping a ton of uh, magic balls, which is a-okay with me. About to say, which is totally fine yeah. with you. <laughs> so I pretty much had infinite MP for a time. So I just spammed fire at the son of a gun the whole time, and that pretty much won me the fight, surprisingly. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I wanted Bambi to, you know, get a shot to shine, and he did. So we'll take it. But um, yeah, okay. it did get tricky when he starts going into the ground and then he'll like do the like uppercuts because then he like gets into like an infinite loop of those where he just keeps doing it. And yeah, you got to be careful at that point. Yeah. And there's no like there's no window where you can actually hurt him. Like you just have to wait it out, basically. Mm-hmm. You just got to watch toes. Yeah. So I know when I was little, this was definitely one of the hardest fights in the game just because yeah, he hits so hard, and he'll just surprise you, basically. And yeah, he got a few good hits in in this fight, for sure, because I was playing so wonky. Yeah, I mean, I I, I got him, but uh, I'm curious, uh, what, was, what was your approach? Uh, hit him till he can't hit no more. Is I mean, the very short version, but <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is the first fight I used Arrow constantly, like it was one that required... Yep. Maybe I'm confusing it. It's one fight where I was like, Arrow is not a bad option here. Because I, I have been doing a lot of unintentional grinding. So I think I'm kind of at a... I'm not saying I'm Superman at this point. Yeah. But I'm a little bit stronger than like a, just a very natural playthrough. For sure. But I did find myself being... I did use Arrow a few times just to protect... It was towards the end of the fight only because of the three swords that pop... Well, the three versions and which one's the real one? Yep. And because that weird shadow uppercut will... It'll 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 hurt you a good bit if you're not being too careful. Mm-hmm. I have less memories of the fight itself and more of the room because fighting in Captain Hook's little... I was going to say bedchamber. It's not a bedchamber. Uh, in Captain Hook's office is really awkward because it's just a U-shape yeah. with obstacles everywhere <laughs> totally yeah like i like hopped up on the desk at one point because i was thinking okay he can't get me from here but no he, he could totally get me so like, He's like i'm gonna get you yep these these surfaces are only here to get in your way basically <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think when you come back later there's other stuff that pops up in the room i think there's like a tea set that appears near the ladder you come up oh, to get in here yeah, yeah, because I, I, I left. I, I think it will only show up if you leave the world or you finish the world and then come back. Ooh, I have a, I have a similar note to that toward the end, so don't let me forget. Okay, he, he, yeah, he's one of the, he's one of the big roadblock ones. Like I remember the intro cutscene for this boss fight extensively 
It's because he sucked <laughs> ass at it as a kid. Luckily, it's a short one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you beat him, and I really like his death animation of how he's, like, hovering over the shadow pits, and then he just... <laughs> very satisfying. Um, just gets slumped back up. Yeah, but it's interesting how Riku has the ability to recre- recreate the kingdom key, but in, like, shadow form, which is kind of crazy. So, like, I, I guess I can just assume it's not actually Kingdom Key. It's just a 3D-printed Kingdom Key, basically. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, it's just weird seeing, you know, this weapon of light manifested as darkness, basically. And it's not the last time we'll see a Shadow Keyblade, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, just cool. Alrighty, so we can pretty much make a beeline for the final boss fight with Hook. And this is where it all goes down on the poop deck. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Riku's out of here. So it's like, where'd my best friend go? I mean, See the yo. stupid meanie head who I definitely hate, don't want to redeem. And then Hook, is he spills the beans, and he's like, oh, he, he definitely didn't go to Hollow Bastion, if that's what you're asking. Hollow Bastion? <laughs> where Maleficent resides. Yeah, it's kind of crazy hearing the words Hollow Bastion come from a Disney character. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, you, you, no, you weren't, you can't say that. I don't think any, there's no F, there's no, like, Squall and Sid voice lines for Hollow Bastion in one. I think in two they say it at least once or twice, but. Yeah, he might be the only person who says it out loud, actually. In KH1, I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of the other times they'll mention it or they'll talk about it. It's usually in text form. Yep, exactly. Form as opposed to voice line. Yeah. So. Yep, uh, they recreate the movie where, oh no, <laughs> I got your little pixie friend and this lantern, what are you going to do about it? And Sora's like, no, not this character I've known for two minutes, please, oh god. I've known this pixie for two minutes, but if anything happened to her, <laughs> I'd kill everybody and then myself. Apparently is Sora's mood. Yes. <laughs> so, yep, he walks the plank, and we get a special appearance from our boy the crocodile, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sora has his little inner monologue of, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. He jumps, <gasps> the crowd's cheering, he's gonna go Ah, the way, Ah, oh, he's flying, he's flying, he's really, really flying. That ball can fly. Yep, just just because. Well, to be, I guess to be fair, earlier they do have their, their cutscene of like, oh, you need a little bit of pixie dust and you believe in yourself. Yep, so he finally believed himself. It just, it took, it took longer though. Yeah. So, yeah, he just straight up jumped into a crocodile's mouth, but uh, it, it paid off in the end. Yeah, before Hook, we do get a little, well, Peter Pan shows back up. Yeah, great, we're so glad you're back. But, um, we get a little preamble yeah. to the Hook fight with, um, a little heartless battle. So, mm-hmm. I guess we should talk about them, shouldn't we? So, we got three new scallywags. We've got the cleverly named pirate and then even more cleverly named air pirate oh boy so pirate basically plays the same as the bandits from agrabah yeah i always thought of them as always think of them as bandit upgrades and they kind of are to a degree yep they they block your attacks they have big hits that come swinging i feel like they're a little clumsier like you can knock them off base easier than the bandits maybe like some of their attacks mm-hmm. like End with them kind of falling on their butt. Yes. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't call them a, a bandit variant, but they are... I, actually, I want to say anti-bandit now. Like, the bandits are all about, like, 
a lot of maneuverability, and a lot of quick swipes. And the pirates just have, like, a chonker of a sword, and they just want to cut you down. Yep. Totally. So, they good. Um, nice pirate design. And it's also clever how, like, they basically sub in for, like, the actual hook pirates. Um, so yeah. That's a good touch. And then they get air pirates, which are just pirates with, like, little hang glider wings. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're just an evolution of the air soldier, then. Yeah, they're definitely more agile, and I feel like their fighting styles more just avoiding you than, like, actively <laughs> attacking you, which is annoying. Oh, 100%. They will zippity-zop around this map like no one's business. Yeah, like, especially when they start circling around, it feels like you never get a hit in. Mm-hmm. And they have Bugs Bunny arms. You mean, like, how they, like, kind of stretch when they punch you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, They'll totally. have, like, they'll, they'll, do, they'll do the classic cartoon wind-up punch, Whoa! and then kind of ba-doing! <laughs> totally. Um, and then we have the airship, which is a horrible life of... A torso fused to a mini pirate ship. <laughs> I like the battleship a whole lot. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Yeah, it's... <laughs> well, it's different, right? Because you can actually fly Neverland. But if you fight it anywhere else... By anywhere else, I mean, I think it only appears in the Olympus Coliseum besides Neverland. But yeah, it'll just... Every now and then, it'll just fly up in the air and you can't get it unless you, like, use thunder. Which is really annoying. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, it has all these annoying projectiles of, like, you know, bomb runs and then, like, homing missiles. And I think they have, like, a really rare, like, healing uh, cannonball where they'll shoot at other, at other Heartless to heal them. Hmm. Sounds familiar. I'll check that. But I will say it is fun to fight them because they, like, break off into pieces so you can target their different parts. And then once you deal enough damage, like, that part of the ship will... It'll break, and then, like, you can get them down to where, like, the mast is gone, and the ship's on fire, and it's like, ah, abandoned ship! <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's pretty fun, but... Yeah, for the most part, they're they're pretty annoying. And I feel like I always get caught in the trap of, you know, finishing an aerial combo on them as they're winding up for their big ram, and then getting hit by it, and... Ugh. Yeah, I realized this time why I do love battleships, and I do like destroying all the different parts of the battleship. Yep. Just to cripple it, but also because they give you tech points, and boy oh boy am I a sucker for tech points. Mm-hmm. So I really just, I usually just aim for the stern, and if it has enough health remaining, I'll go for the cannons. But usually I at least get rid of the, the stern of the ship, and then I'm like, okay, now you can die. Yeah. And also get rid of the stern, like if, if you're fighting them outside of Neverland, which I think is only the Coliseum, like we mentioned... They'll drop to the ground, so they won't be aerial, or won't be super aerial at least. Yeah. Which is the biggest pain in the ass when it comes to them. Totally. So, yeah, once you. Once you're actually in the fight, this one particular. Hey, look at that! I finally found a good use for stop. (laughs) So, yeah, these enemies like to just kind of run around and avoid you, but you can stop them right in their tracks, and at this point, we have stop run. So, yeah, I think I just used one stop, at least for the airship. Um. I think two of them will show up, and I think I use it both times. But yeah, just stop them, just whack them, and then that'll that'll pretty much do it. That's game. Um, in terms of the actual flying, so yeah, it controls pretty much the same as swing, but it does feel slightly different in that it's a little slippery. Like if you're trying to turn, basically, you'll kind of you'll kind of like mm, drift outward some, if that makes sense. Like it's like you kind of slide further out of your arc. Whereas in Atlantica, you yeah. have much tighter control, which is fine. It definitely like makes it feel more like you're gliding or falling with style, I should say. 
Yeah, you don't turn on a dime here. Yeah. I don't think it's... It can, it can be annoying at certain times, but I don't think it's a super detriment. Yeah, because anytime you're flying, like... Yeah, you have these huge open spaces, so it's not like you need to turn, like, really quickly. Um, and, and if you do, like, it's only when you're accelerating that you really get that slippiness. Um, if you're, like, going a little slow or just, you know, stood still, you can turn pretty much instantly. So, not really a problem. Just interesting difference in the feel. But, um, yeah, flying's cool, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's easy. Um, it's just, really, you can just use it in these two rooms, between this and the clock tower, and then... And a few cases in the end game, which is like, eh. Like, I feel like they could have done more with it, right? Like, mm. it's very cliche and bad, but, like, they could have done, like, a ring mini game. <laughs> so if I, if I was going to, when we talked about uh, uh, Tokyo drifting in the air, my first thought was, thank God there's no Superman 64 <laughs> ring race. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on how tight I think the course could and would be. Like, if it's, like, if you don't make this three-point turn, you're gonna... No, you're yep. just gonna... You have to restart, basically. Yeah, like... Uh, if it wasn't super strict and, like, pretty freeform, I think it'd work out pretty well, actually. Yeah, like, maybe not a race, but maybe, like, tag Peter Pan or, like, hide-and-seek with Peter Pan. Just, just something like, hey, you have this unique mechanic, like, do something with it. And mm-hmm. Especially since it's the Neverland world, like, there's no real, real reason to fly other than that, besides get a few treasure chests. But, eh, it's fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, all right, moving on to the Captain Hook fight. Um, I always find that Hook is surprisingly tough, and I always forget because he's such a silly character. You, you, you kind of think of him like Oogie Boogie, like oh, he'll just kind of be a pushover, but you no, know, he mm-hmm. he throws some hooks. Literally. Yeah. Oh, 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 that was also a movie thing I had. Why is Captain Hook named Captain Hook? Was he named Captain Hook before he <laughs> lost his hand? Just saying. Uh, the age-old question. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I always remember this being a, t- uh, a tough fight. Uh, there is another Captain Hook fight that like doesn't happen in KH1, but when we get to it, I'll have I'll have thoughts and opinions. But right here, he's still like a tough enemy. Yeah. And it's funny because he is... This is the anti-fly fight. I feel like... Yeah, you don't really want to be you, flying. <laughs> yeah, you just got the ability to fly to your heart's content, and you want to ground yourself immediately. Well... Take out the battleships that show up, but when you will fight Hook, I should say, you want to be, you want to, you want two feet on the ground. Basically, you can fly in this fight, but you don't want to be in range of him. So, like, if you're flying, you want to be as far away as possible, and if you're far away, you're not really doing anything. <laughs> so, exactly. there's no real reason to fly in this fight. If you, unless you want to pick off the airship, but that's kind of fruitless because it'll just spawn another. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always thought that one of his lines, I always thought he was shouting, Flyer! <laughs> like, curse you flyers! But no, he's just saying fire. <laughs> which, make, mm-hmm. which makes way more sense. <laughs> yep. But yeah, let's see. What are his attacks? He's got the spinny, swipey, spinny, tire myself out, which is pretty deadly, especially when he like gets into like a, a pattern of like two or three immediately back to back. But then, yeah, he does get tired, so you can get some hooks in after that. Hell has his, like, little lunge attack. He uh, dangles the shiny, shiny keys in front of the cat with his hook for some reason. Yes. And then, in a nice little nod to the movie, he'll throw out his little present bomb, which is cute. Mm -hmm. He's pretty agile. Like, he jumps around and stuff, which is, again, annoying. And be careful with your magic, because 
it might just be fire, but I think maybe another spell will like activate an animation where he just runs around like crazy, and it, I think it does hurt you if he runs into you. Um, and then it, oh yes, yes, it is fire only. He it, yeah. his pants get lit on fire, and he he always, he does a very like cartoony like yep. run in the air and run around the deck maneuver, and that is. I mean, it's the equivalent of, like, setting Trickmaster's paddles on fire mm-hmm. manually. Yeah, he'll come back it's, to bite you. He, it's nothing but a bad time. That is, like, that, that is his hardest hitting move, so just don't cast fire on Captain Noah. Yeah, and then he, It'll like, he runs over the water, and then he falls into it, and then, uh-oh, Crocodile also jumps up, and it, it takes, like, ten seconds from to, like, complete this animation loop, and it's really annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. But, um, once again, I spammed summons, so... I think I started with Simba, just because I hadn't seen him in a while, and I remembered why, because he didn't do anything in this fight, because <laughs> he's definitely more suited for crowd control instead of one-on-one, so that was a, a bust, but um, yeah, then I switched up to Genie and Dumbo, and they, they, they got the job done. I pretty much just had to take him out with one combo after that, and then it was a done deal. So yeah, uh, just mind your distance with him, basically. But yeah, you can definitely hit pretty hard if you're if you like if you like don't know his tells basically. Something to point out. I forget what boss fight it is, and you'll be the one to tell me which one it is. I think, but you can totally just leave Captain Hook alone on the deck and go back inside. Yeah, yeah. So the other one was um, Oogie's Manor. But yeah, same deal here. There's like a few doors that lead back on the ship, and you can take them. So. <laughs> yes, there is. There's one like directly where Hook will stay, basically, and then there's the higher one. Um, or like the the door upstairs, basically to get into his cabin. Yeah, and it's actually yes, encouraged I... because you have the heartless fight before this. But then, yeah, once the hook fight starts, if you take one of those doors and come back, if you die to hook, then you'll restart from the hook fight instead of starting all the way back from the heartless fight. Yes, just a little insurance so policy. I yeah, I went inside totally by accident while fighting hook, and I was like, yep. oh crap!" For S and G's, I went downstairs to the save point, healed up. Came back up, just ignored the Heartless, and then went back out and hook. And he, he doesn't heal between fights, or between, like, area changes. Oh, that's so he interesting. he heal huh. when you come back. He just stays at the same health. So, yeah. you could be really, really cheeky. You could yeah. do, oh, boy, I need a break from this Captain Hook fellow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, once you beat him, uh, you'll learn R's Arcanum, which is pretty cool. Uh, definitely one of the flashier limits. So, try that out if you mm-hmm. want. And then we head on over to the clock tower, which again just begs the question, why is this world called Neverland if it's either the pirate ship or completely not Neverland? But whatever. Uh, definitely a fun area. Uh, nice little jaunty tune place. But yeah, we we find a keyhole, and this is definitely one of my favorite keyhole animations. I mean, I feel like I said that about every keyhole animation, but (laughs) (laughs) I do find myself, like, mimicking like, the movement of this one a lot, where Sora, like, holds Keyblade up to his side, like like a cheetah, like, preparing to pounce, and then he lifts it up, and brings it back down, and bing! Because he's, like, flying in the air, so he's, like, kind of, like, off balance a little. I don't know why. It's always just satisfying for me to watch. But yeah, that's pretty much world. So after that, we get a few little, few little uh, goodies in our goodie bag. Peter Pan just gives us another mouth to feed with Tinkerbell. So we get that summon, which is just weird. Like, I mean, I get it. She's a summon. But like in terms of story, like why would she abandon Peter Pan for this guy she just met? She's a very flighty mistress. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, Tinkerbell definitely one of the more useful summons. A hundred percent. I think we'll talk about Tink very, very soon. Yeah, I'll definitely imagine I'll use her in one or two fights next world. Mm-hmm. I should, well, I should also point out that if she is a summon where Donald and Goofy, your, I should say your party members, because it can change via world, but your party members will not disappear. Yeah. Tinkerbell is basically your fourth party member. Totally. So yeah, along with her, we get the Pixie, or sorry, the Fairy Harp Keyblade, which begs the question, is Tinkerbell a fairy or a pixie, or are they the same thing? I would basically say they're the same thing. Okay. Because even in Kingdom Hearts, like, this Keyblade's called the Fairy Harp, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, in Birth by Sleep, the Keyblade's called Pixie Petal. So, even Kingdom Hearts can't make up his mind. But, uh, in any case, let's, uh, let's talk about the Fairy Harp Keyblade. Okay. This is... I mean, I'll go first and I'll be frank. I hate Fairy Harp. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you alluded to it a few episodes ago about how short it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's a tooth. It, I don't like fighting with a toothpick, although I, I think it, it is on brand because Peter Pan fights with a, yeah. with a single dagger. Yeah, totally. So it kind of does harken back to Pete, uh, Peter's dagger design. Yeah. But it is a toothpick. So I size comparison, size doesn't matter, <laughs> except when it comes to keyblades. I did a lot of size comparison with the keyblades especially in one i don't think they really change length outside of one but there's also no static length like there's not like here's a regular keyblade here's a short keyblade yeah here's a tall keyblade i feel like they have the length is completely up to like the developers like they didn't set like here's a short range here's a long range here's a regular yeah because i compared wishing star and fairy harp and Wishing Star is, like, a head taller mm-hmm. than Fairy Harp. Very, very, very... Not a whole lot, but I think it makes a difference in the end. I tried to use Fairy Harp in the Hercules Cup, which doesn't lock right after this one. And I beat the Hercules Cup with the Fairy Harp. And yep. then I was like, I... I gave it I gave it its time in the spotlight. But I, <laughs> it, it's not my jam. Because you... Okay. Again, Wishing Star, Wishing Star is like a medium light in terms of length, whereas that's hence why I call the Fairy Harp the toothpick. Like, you do have to be up close and personal yep. if you want to do melee, which is funny because it is a magic-based keyblade. Yep. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a no for me, dog. Yeah, in terms of usefulness, it's kind of like an upgraded Crab Claw, where it gives you the MP, but also it's pretty good physically. Yeah, I also used it in Hercules Cup, and it worked out pretty well. In terms of usefulness, yeah, it's it doesn't do anything particularly great, and the length is definitely a downer if, you know, you usually use physical attacks. Uh, but in terms of design, like, a lot of people don't like how the scheme looks, but I think it's pretty fine. Mm. I like the color scheme. I mean, I do like green a lot, and I like how it's got, like, the two shades. Uh, much like how Peter Pan's got the two shades between his tunic and then his little leggings. And then I think it's a clever way to use his pan flute as the keys. Like, I think that makes perfect sense. So that was a good call. Mm -hmm. The guard is like fairy wings, which kind of looks awkward, but eh, we'll take it. And then I think it's the keychain, I think is like the most clever in the game. It's just Peter Pan's feather, which, ugh, mwah great touch and also <laughs> i don't even think i noticed that actually oh my gosh how did you not notice it it's bright red in contrast with all green so yeah i i don't mind it 
it's it's a middle of the road. Well, no, it's not middle of the road. It's uh, upper middle of the road for me, I would say. But yeah, okay. this is the point of the game where it just rains keyblades left and right. So yeah, I would not fault anyone for not using it. That's for sure. It's gonna be <laughs> outclassed very shortly. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much it for Neverland. Um, uh, what I did want to mention about having to come back to the world to see it is in the clock tower you get special little treasures every hour of gameplay so i i, I never really understood it as a kid because i always thought it was by like based on like the ps2's internal clock but it's based on the end game timer so yes at like the 26 hour mark for example you'll get a treasure and then at the 27 hour mark you get a treasure so basically <laughs> from the first moment you get the first treasure, you have to play the game at least 12 more hours, or I guess 11 hours, and then visit it every hour to get the full cycle. Um, mm -hmm. Which, oh, I may have forgotten to go back for the next hour, but that's okay, because I'm still on it in my save. But yeah, the first one was a power-up, which is really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely worth your time if you do plan on sticking around that long. Yeah, I always got confused as well. I think... I'm not sure if I beat this world at the 24th hour, but I came back at the 24th hour and I was like, why is the 12 o'clock door open? Because I was, I was, it was, I think I was playing at like 11 o'clock at night. So I had the same thing of like, what time are you going off of? What are you doing? And then yeah. I realized it's off of play time. Yep. Which is very confusing. I don't, I don't even think the first time I realized that I, I was like, eh, I'll just take this power up and be on or you know, I'll take the item and be on my way. I think it came back two hours later in game time, but like the next day yep. in IRL time. And I was like, why is the two o'clock one open? And then I think it finally clicked at that point. Yeah, it's super unclear. Like they should have had some sort of dial. Like Wendy mentions, I think, oh, there's something shining up there. But she should say something like, oh, maybe you should come back in an hour or two or just something that would kind of indicate like use the end game timer. But eh, mm -hmm. that's KH1 for you. <laughs> yep. So, before we close this chapter, uh, we get a few final cutscenes back at Hollow Bastion with Riku and Maleficent. Uh, Riku achieves his semi-final form, because he's not doing so hot, and he needs to top off his tank with darkness, basically. His final stinky upgrade. Yeah. I never say stinky upgrades, because Maleficent's magic, is, and also just darkness in general in Cage 1 if it's not like a door to dark or a corridor to darkness, tends to be green. Yep. Stinky magic, as I always called it as a kid. Well, so, I... Uh, it, the first time you said that, I assumed you were referencing how in Chain of Memories, for some reason, the characters remark on how darkness smells. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like kind of a major plot point. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's just the fact that it's green, and I was like, I don't know, it just looks like stink lines to me. <laughs> So I'm like, this is stinky, dog. Maybe that's what they were going for. So, yeah, that happens. And then we get a, a tiny tease of a roaring beast. And then Maleficent remarks, oh, his strong heart led him here, which mm -hmm. makes you wonder, okay, so how come some strong hearts turn into summon gems? Some strong hearts make their way to Traverse Town. Some strong hearts end up in completely rando worlds. Like, what? What's going on here? Nomura, you sly dog, you. <laughs> you sly dog who just makes things up as it or, goes along. <laughs> or, or about to say, or horribly indecisive dog. Yep. Which one? We're still not sure. <laughs> yeah, but then it got me thinking, like, 
if Beast was a summon, like I feel like that'd be really cool, actually. That'd be interesting, yeah. He No, I'm thinking definitely thinking of the KH2 limits. I was like, I remember this weird beast animation. Yep. It's definitely just his his yeah. limit in uh in two. Yeah. Oh also we, Riku has the most worthless most worthless flashback ever. Yeah, it just opens like right where the first one ended and then just goes on for like yeah. a couple more seconds and doesn't tell us anything new. Exactly. They they um it's like let's go to the mayor's it's it picks up because the other cutscene is them going into the secret place and then Riku's like well we're older let's get off this island and they leave and like let's go to the mayor's house I hear there's a girl there yep. it picks up when Riku says let's get off this island when we're older but it extends past the Sora's final line Riku turns back to the I, it's the door or the keyhole in Destiny Islands, but to me it always just like a coffin mm-hmm. sitting in the back of the cave <laughs> or the secret place. There is one line of dialogue where Sora mentions, oh, she showed up on the night of the meteor shower, which that actually is kind of important, but that's not like the point yeah. of the scene. So yeah, it's just kind of odd. Yep. So yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. So we've completed the circuit. We've completed the Disney pilgrimage. The Disney worlds are all done. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Although we will be, as we've mentioned, we will be doing a world tour. And then we may or may not build out all the Coliseum Cups into a separate episode. Um, we'll kind of play that by ear to see how it splits up. But yeah, I think we'll get to those in a couple episodes. But for now, for next week, ooh, ooh, put on your hats and... Grab your popcorn, because things are about to get spicy, because we will be heading to uh, Hollow Bastion. Well, I guess we'll head to Traverse Town first for a quick little cutscene, but then, yes, it's, it all goes down in Hollow Bastion. Sunday, 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 at the Superdome. Yep, it'll be a good episode, lots and lots to talk about. Um... Uh, no Disney preview next week because it's original world, so we'll just jump right into it. So yeah, it's gonna be a a good time. I'm I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. So yeah, if you wanna reach out to us and let us know your thoughts on Neverland the World or Peter Pan the movie or anything else we've talked about this episode, you can email us at khbhpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can always find that in the description. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. I, I I think that about I think that about wraps it up. So I think I'm I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready to to go home and to grow up. <laughs> Maybe growing up isn't so bad. I think we'll find out very soon. We'll see you next week to the gummy ship and away. Bye bye everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.